so much for joining the show. You are listening to the Women's Hope Podcast. This is Kim Wine, and I'm joined by my ever-beautiful and awesome co-host with the most on the West Coast. (laughs) We still got to make a song for that. (laughs) Kim Cummings. Hey, how are you today, friend? I am so, so good. I get to be with you today. How could it get any better? And then we have this just amazing, freaky, cool, awesome guest that I want to introduce to our audience we are joined today by the infamous Daryl Harrison. How are you today, Daryl? Infamous is right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kim and Kim, how are y'all doing? It's uh, awesome. We've got great weather here in Atlanta today, so it's a great time to be with you all. Uh, man, I'm really honored to be on your podcast and uh, looking forward to chopping things up with you all today. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we are just so honored and excited to introduce our audience to you. So the pleasure is truly ours. Let me tell our audience just a little bit about who you are, and then we will get into our hot topic of the day. Daryl is the lead host of the Just Thinking podcast. Daryl also writes at justthinking.me or .me. In both the podcast and the blog, he strives to apply biblical truth to social, cultural, political, and theological issues in our world. He also holds a degree in biblical theology from Princeton Theological Seminary, as well as a degree in Christian counseling from Liberty University. So you are just very well-rounded, and you've gotten you're, you've gotten a lot of education and a lot of um, a lot of resources to help us out with this topic we're going to talk about today. Well, you're uh, you're too kind, Kim. <laughs> First of all, number one, I'm very humbled by that uh, that introduction. But yeah, uh, maybe sometime in the future, you and I can kind of talk about the road that the Lord got me on uh, to that uh, to those varying paths uh, with Princeton and Liberty. I've got an interesting story behind uh, how I was exposed to those two institutions, but we can tee that up perhaps on another day. Excellent. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Well, you're also working on your biblical counseling certification, aren't you? Right. So I'm uh, right now in phase two of the certification process with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. I've uh, finished my exams, so I've gotten both the theology exam and the counseling exam done. Matter of fact, just last week I got my exams back, so I have a I have a few rewrites to do on some of my <laughs> questions that I sent in, but uh, that's not unusual if any of you have been through that process. But so, yeah, so I'm pretty close to uh, going into the third phase, which is my 50 hours of supervised counseling. And uh, All right. I'm targeting to be certified by the end of the year, Lord willing. So uh, we're going to keep plugging away, going to keep plugging away at this, and hopefully we'll be done by the end of uh, 2018. Excellent. So now, Daryl, uh, for anybody who might uh, qualify for counseling. Will you be able to do that via Skype? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big tech guy. Uh, so I will be formally, once certified, I will be formally counseling through my church okay. here in a uh, suburb of where I live called Conyers, Georgia. So I'll be officially counseling uh, through my church, assisting my pastor, as well as one other council that we have on staff already. Awesome. But yeah, I'm open to using all means and vehicles uh, available because there's so many people out there that need biblical mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. so absolutely. Okay. All right. That's just a, a good thing we like to put in people's ears if that's something that's available. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 
All right, so Daryl, we're going to talk to you today about cross-cultural relationships. And specifically, we want to talk to you about how the gospel intersects with the racial tensions we're seeing in our culture. So why don't you just start this conversation by sharing your heart on how the evangelical church is currently approaching this discussion? Yeah, thanks, Kim. Uh, I have some mixed emotions about how the evangelical Mm -hmm. church is approaching this discussion, uh, partly because... I'm not so sure the evangelical church realizes anymore what it means to be evangelical. Mm-hmm. Now, w- what I mean by that is there are voices within the evangelical church that are treating racism as a quote-unquote problem that needs to be fixed by human efforts rather than an attitude or mindset that is rooted in our human condition as sinners. Yes. Um, and, and what I see happening is Christians are so focused on the societal effects of racism they're assuming that the solutions are societal as well, mm. which, needless to say, from my vantage point, is not the case. And that is where the evangelical aspect of this discussion is being lost. Um, to that point, consider that the adjective evangelical is rooted in the noun evangel, which is a mm-hmm. Greek word for gospel. Right. Good news. The gospel yep. is what the Apostle Paul declared in Romans 1.16 as, quote, the power of God unto salvation, unquote. That word salvation is speaking of the eternal redemption of our soul through the work of Christ on the cross. But that message has gotten lost in all the back and forth about racial reconciliation and social justice, so much so that it's it's as if there's a kind of temporal salvation that's being preached Hmm. in terms of racial reconciliation, as if the goal of the gospel were salvation by ethnicity rather than by the propitiatory work of Christ on the cross. So there's sort of a mixing and a commingling of messaging within the evangelical church, and I think the church is sorely misguided so much so that we've gotten off of what the essential message of the gospel is, what the essential evangel is, is what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15, that Christ came to save sinners. And I think there's a, a, a different salvation being preached in that we can save ourselves in this world. Uh, and, and, and that's totally off base from what the core gospel is. Uh, so that's what I mean when I say I have mixed, emo- mixed emotions about what the evangelical church is on this. Mm. Well, and it's not new. I I started thinking about this just in recent history, and I was thinking of a very prominent men's a group that was meeting across the country, mm-hmm. uh, promise keepers mm-hmm. became mm-hmm. very much about racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. and um, and it and it was more about works than it was the gospel. Right, exactly. That's an excellent point. And see, you know, I'm I'm familiar with promise keepers. I never attended an event, but wow, I mean. You're probably too young. Well, well, no, 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 no. I'm not. Thank you for that compliment. But uh, no way am I too young <laughs> to remember that. I, 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 matter of fact, I was just about to say I can remember being at home and watch. Listen, even C-SPAN covered these events. Mm-hmm. They were covered on C-SPAN. They were so huge. But that's the problem when you get into sort of programmatic, at least what I call programmatic or manufactured uh, reconciliation. It's not reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um uh, the irony of that event being called Promise Keepers is that the, the, the words of a vow or the words of an oath 
are not what make an oath an oath. Mm. It is the intention of the heart to apply meaning to those words and to carry those words out in practice. Mm. And that's mm. based on an individual level. No event can collectively accomplish that. It's got to be an individual decision in the heart that I'm going to keep this promise or I'm going to love this person or I'm not going to hate this person. Uh, and, and that's where we are with respect to this whole racial discourse that's going on right now. And I know we'll delve into that further here, but I think it's a great point you brought up, Kim, about promise keepers. It's, it's the very same thing. Well, and, you know, it it's died out. And I think that that yeah. is an explanation in and of itself of why. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because, because change can't come that way. Yeah, only the gospel has legs. I mean, you're right. Promise keepers died out. All of these man-made, man-centered, programmatic efforts are eventually going to die out, um, and only the gospel will remain once that happens. So as believers, our identity comes from Christ, and it's not the color of our skin. So how should identity and Imago Dei affect how we view the concept of racial reconciliation? Yeah, that's another great question. Uh, I want to respond by saying in the spirit of full disclosure, your listeners should know that I, for one, do not subscribe to the notion of what is so often being referred to as racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I believe racial reconciliation, the term, so I'm sort of bracketing that term in quotes, mm-hmm. racial reconciliation by definition is rooted in the false premise that ethnicity in and of itself is the impetus for the discord that exists between people who are varying shades of melanin when the Mm -hmm. scriptures clearly teach otherwise. So you take, for example, a text like Mark chapter 7, verse 15, and this is Jesus himself speaking, where Jesus declares that there is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. Okay. Mm-hmm. So similarly in first Corinthians four, seven, the apostle Paul asks a rhetorical yet very profound question. He asks this, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? Mm-hmm. And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So that text should serve as a humbling reminder to us that every aspect of what we would call our identity is attributable to the sovereign providence of Almighty God. You take mm-hmm. another text, uh, such as Acts 17:26. Acts 17:26 declares that God made from one blood every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Now it's interesting that that word nation in that text in Acts 17:26 is the Greek noun ethnos, from which mm-hmm. we get our English word ethnicity. So you read that word in English. You read the word nation in English, you think it's referring to nationality, but no. When you exegete it, it's actually the word ethnos, from where we get the word ethnicity. So God made from one blood every ethnicity of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Of the earth. Now, all that to say that understanding and accepting that it is God in creating us as his image bearers, so that's where the Imago Dei comes in. God in creating us as his image bearers, and who ordains such, that such attributes as our ethnicity should humble us in such a way as to give glory to him as opposed to bringing attention to ourselves. Amen. Um, 
that God ordained that you and I would possess the ethnic characteristics that we do is inherently antithetical to the idea that ethnicity in and of itself and not our innate sinfulness is the root of any discord between individuals who are of different ethnic backgrounds. So the Imago Dei comes in with respect, again, to what Acts 17, 26, we are all of one blood. Mm-hmm. We are all of one blood. There's only one race. There's the human race. God created ethnicities. Mm-hmm. He did not mm-hmm. recreate race. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I respond to that question. Amen. Good so stuff. You mentioned this a little bit um, when you explained what you think of the term racial reconciliation. But you recently wrote an article in which you state the problem is enmity, not ethnicity. And that was profoundly stated, just let me say. So can you expand on that idea for us here? Yeah, absolutely, Kim. Uh, My purpose in writing that article, the problem is enmity, not ethnicity, was to try and point people back to the root cause of what many are referring to as racial or ethnic discord. Uh, namely, that it is the enmity that exists between us and God. That is, so that's the vertical aspect mm-hmm. of it. The root of this discord is the enmity that exists between us and God first. That's at the heart of that discord. And by extension, that, is, that vertical enmity is also at the root of the horizontal discord that exists between one another as human beings. Um, I'm reminded of an earlier article that I wrote entitled Big Bang Racism, Mm. in which I argued that such sinfully biased attitudes as racism are not the product of Big Bang reasoning. And what I mean by that is that those attitudes are not formed ex nihilo, which is Latin for out of nothing. Those, Those attitudes don't come from nowhere. They are rooted in the sin nature that you and I inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. So the root problem of ethnic discord is the same as the root problem of marital discord. Mm-hmm. It is the sin that separates us first and foremost from God and consequently from one another. So with, with that in mind, we would all do well to consider the warning that God gave to Cain before Cain murdered his brother Abel. Uh, God said to Cain, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you but you must master it. That's in Genesis 4, 7. Mm -hmm. So that our sin, that is our sin that separates us from God and from each other is why I titled the blog article as I did. The same root cause that prompted God to voice that warning to Cain is the same issue we're dealing with now in 2018 as it relates to uh, the racial discord that exists. And I think it's interesting When you go back to that text in Genesis 4-7, God didn't warn Cain, now Cain, don't kill your brother. I know you're thinking about killing your brother, but don't kill your brother. No, God didn't focus on the act. He focused on the motive Mm -hmm. behind it. Mm -hmm. See, so that's the point I was making in the article, that the problem is not ethnicity, but enmity. Enmity is the motive. It is the impetus for the racism, if you will, for the racial discord. And we must address this at the root level first. So 
then how is the gospel to be the equalizer that brings us into a thriving cross-cultural relationship, regardless of our ethnicity? Where do we start? Well, uh, as I alluded to earlier, one of my go-to texts on this subject is Acts 17.26. I think Acts 17.26 is a one-verse systematic theology of, hmm. of racism. Hmm. I mean, you've got all the elements there in that one text. Uh, so again, that text says that God made from one blood every ethnicity of mankind to live on the face of the earth. So, biblically speaking, there is no such thing as race. God created ethnicities, not races. In fact, you both may be aware of an article that National Geographic did just a few weeks ago. It was entitled, There is No Scientific Basis for Race. It is a made-up label. Hmm. Did either of you I did that not see article? that, but I didn't I need see to go it. Find I'm it. shocked. <laughs> we'll have to link that. Title. Yeah, if you uh, if either of you subscribe to my podcast, we have it linked out there, or I can okay. I'll be glad to send you guys the link to it directly. But we did a whole episode. Matter of fact, we did two episodes based on that article. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So, mm-hmm. not only is the the point I'm making here is not only that is the idea of race not biblically valid, it is also not scientifically valid. So you have the text in Acts seventeen twenty six, which totally debunks the notion of race in one verse. And then you have this brilliant article by National Geographic, which uses science and DNA evidence and things of that totally objective, totally apart from a theological slant. Mm-hmm. So also debunk the notion of race. So the question is, where do we start in talking about how the gospel can equalize this, um, this, this topic, this issue? Well, I, I think we start where Jesus started. Jesus, the very first words of the very first sermon he ever gave was Mm -hmm. repent and believe the gospel. That's where we start. Mm -hmm. So we start by believing that the gospel in and of itself is, as we discussed earlier, that the gospel is still the power of God to change hearts and minds. We see that in Romans 12, too. We continue. Okay, so that's where we start. But we continue by calling those who profess to be Christians to obey the gospel in their own lives, Mm -hmm. which historically has not been the case, which is why we're having this conversation right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Because historically in this country, those who profess to be Christians have not obedient, have not been obedient to that gospel, which they have professed to believe it. So that's part of the problem why we're having this conversation right now. So that hasn't been the case uh, historically. And, and that it hasn't been the case has, is what's given rise to the attitudes that led to such unbiblical institutional and structural practices such as slavery, peonage, uh, Jim Crow, and the like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we view others, we must view others regardless of ethnicity, socioeconomic station, even to the degree that they may not even be Christian, we must view them as fellow image bearers of God because Mm -hmm. that is, in fact, who they are. So where do we start? We start where Jesus started. Repent and believe the gospel. How do we continue? 
we must make sure that we're obeying the gospel in our own lives. What did Jesus say in Luke 6:46? He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet do not do what I say? Mm-hmm. So the, the solution is fairly simple. For Christians, we must be obedient to the gospel and then let our obedience be a testimony to the rest of the world. Hmm. Okay, so Daryl, I'm going to throw a another question at you that you weren't prepared for. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I heard you on Mortification of Spin a while back, and mm-hmm. part of the discussion on there was about white churches, black churches, and and how you know the segregation and and that that whole discussion. So can you just? I loved what you said about that on that on that podcast episode and we'll link it in our show notes so they can hear the full discussion but can you just give us a little bit of your thoughts on that sort of thing yeah it's interesting that you asked that kim i don't know when this episode is going to air uh but just last night which would be april 30th i think uh mm-hmm. yeah uh virgil walker and i my co-host my podcast co-host we tackled that very subject on our podcast and it's going to air uh, tomorrow on May 2nd. But to answer your question, yeah, right. So my, my, here's my position on that. Um, I'm a staunch believer in the sovereignty of God over all things. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my, um, my mindset is that the God who created the universe is sovereign over everything that goes on in it. There's nothing that happens in his universe that he's not in control of, even to the point of the death of his own son. So I'm, you know, looking at a text right now, such as um, I believe it's Acts, uh, Acts chapter four, verses 27 and 28. Uh, I'll read this real quick. It says, for truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. So mm-hmm. even in the death of Christ, God was sovereign over that. Now, how yes. does this relate to the question of black and white churches? Well, there's a big push right now among certain segments of, of the evangelical church to... Certain? <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm, I got I'm, tickled. I am, re- <laughs> I am really trying to be diplomatic here, but yeah, I've, I've got some folks in mind. I've got some folks in mind. But there are certain folks within the evangelical church right now who are trying to manufacture multi-ethnic congregations at the local church level. Mm-hmm. They're trying mm-hmm. to, what I call, uh, bring about what I call artificial diversity just for the sake of diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I grew up in what would be referred to as the quote-unquote black church tradition. I can take you to areas of Atlanta right now where some of those same churches are still 100% black. Mm. Now, for a church, regardless of the ethnic population, I really don't care. I believe that God is sovereign in calling people to himself. There are any number of reasons why a local church congregation is predominantly white or a local church uh, congregation is predominantly black. But that segment that I'm referring to, they're starting to measure the gospel in terms of metrics. Mm -hmm. In this case, the metric will be, well, if you go to a predominantly white church, how many non-white faces do I see? Then that will validate 
in my mind that you're a gospel-centered church. The more brown, the more less white your church continues to become, the more the gospel is being preached there. But what I'm seeing is that the black church is exempt from that standard. You see, now not only is it a nonsensical, unbiblical standard, I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy of the standard is that it is not being applied equally in both spaces. I've grown, I mean, I've spent half my life as a member of a black churches. I've spent the other half as a member of white churches. The church I attend now, I did the math, is 99.975% white. I've been there three years now. I go there of my own volition. No one drags me kicking and screaming to this church on Sunday mornings. I go there because the gospel is preached. That's why I go there. Mm -hmm. Amen. And that's why, Mm -hmm. Lord willing, I will continue to go there. But the manner in which certain evangelicals are mandating these ethnic metrics, apart from whether or not the hearts of these individuals have been regenerated, is sad. Yes. We have mm-hmm. relegated the gospel of salvation in Christ to a soteriology based on melanin and not the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I see that as very, very sad. And I'm not one of those to get hung up on the ethnic demographics of a church uh, population. God is sovereign over that. He is building his church as he promised. Uh, and as I said, on the uh, podcast episode that's going to come out this week, what's happening is we're confusing the fact that God uses us with God needing us. Yes. We're, we're confusing those two. God doesn't mm-hmm. need us. And here's even my though question. He uses us. Sorry. So here's a further question. And this is what I think of when I see the desire to go out and, and force a, a church to mm-hmm. be a different. Exactly ethnic makeup than it already is. How is that not just tokenism? Right. And and how does, right. And then, and then how does that then see the image of God in that person? What you're seeing them as, as a, is a pawn to, to, to make up some sort of percentage point that you want. Right. That's exactly my point about metrics. They're, Mm -hmm. they're looking at the church in terms of metrics. Um, and you look at, uh, you look at the sermons Jesus preached, you look in the book of Acts, and you look at the sermons that Peter, Paul, the other apostles preached, they preached the gospel without regard to specifics as it relates to the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, someone might say, well, Daryl, you know, yes, uh, Paul preached to the Jews. Yeah, but he wasn't counting them. (laughs) Right. He wasn't (laughs) counting how many Jews he was preaching to. You have people today who want to count them. How many brown faces do you have in your church? You see, mm-hmm. and that's that's ridiculous. Uh, and, and I come and, and, and ironically, a lot of the heat that I take from other black Christians is because I believe in the sovereignty of God. Jesus mm-hmm. promised that He will build His church, and what we need to do is give Jesus back His church. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's going to fulfill that promise. We're not going to do that, and we got a bunch of kingdom builders running around here trying to build a, a kingdom of heaven on earth by virtue of what they think the kingdom ought to look like when I don't see their name in Revelation 7-9 where John <laughs> writes 
that Amen. I'm sorry. The you are God so is right. Be, you know, that, that in Revelation 7, 9, where the kingdom of Christ will be composed of people from all tribes, tongues, and nations, mm-hmm. I don't see their name fulfilling that promise. Right. Mm-hmm. And we need to give Christ his church back. He's the one that's going to do that. And that's my point when I say we need to remind ourselves that, yeah, Jesus uses us. Okay, great commission, Matthew 28 and all that. He uses us, yes, but he doesn't use us because he needs us. Amen. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember that. I may be off base here, but living in L.A., I mean, when I drive down the five, you know, I see an exit for Koreatown. I see an exit for, you know, Filipino town. Mm-hmm. People have chosen to congregate together for a reason. Mm-hmm. So is is it different in the church? I mean, w- if no. you see a church that is primarily black, it's because there has been a, a choice made. But I also agree with you in the sovereignty of God and that, that he is provident and placing people in specific places. Right. You're exactly right, Kim. And no, the answer is no. It's no different in the church. And that that goes back to my earlier point is that folks are assuming, so they're blaming, again, two things here. Number one, only white churches are guilty of this um, mm-hmm. racial segregation. Mm-hmm. Black churches, they're exempt, although they're just as segregated. Okay. White churches only are guilty of this. And then number two, the fact that they are so white is because of white supremacy, historic white supremacy still continuing in present generations. This is what I call sin by proxy. You have a a bunch of folks in the church who are applying to this current generation of white Christians, white evangelical Christians, the sins of their predecessors. And they want these, this current generation of white evangelical Christians to pay for the sins of their predecessors. So that's where I get the term sin by proxy from. So you uh, must pay because you're white, only because you're white. That's your mm-hmm. only sin, regardless of the fact that Acts seventeen twenty six that God created us all with the ethnicity ethnicity that we possess. That's right. God's doing. Right. So, totally disregarding that, your sin is that you're white, and since mm-hmm. you're white, it stands to reason that your ancestors were white. And it also stands to reason that because your ancestors were white, that, that they were slaveholders. So, and we know slavery is wrong. And not all slaveholders were punished like they should have been. So because since they weren't all punished, you, by virtue of being their descendant, you must be their proxy in bringing uh, justice to bear on my ancestors who were uh, treated as less than human at the hand of your ancestors. Totally disregarding the fact now that there were also black slaveholders as well, but we get to, just like with the black church, we get to go ahead and, and exempt them. Hmm. So, but no, it's no different in the church. And, and that was my point earlier. We are blaming the white churches for being racial segregationists, apart from the fact that people make their own subjective decisions as to where they may want to attend church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some people right now. I have some black friends who will not attend church with me for several reasons. Number one, they're not reformed. I'm reformed. (laughs) Number two, we sing mostly hymns. They prefer gospel. Uh, Number three, the distance may be too far for them conveniently to go. 
Uh, I live in a suburb where there is no public transportation. You know, so there are all kind of variables that go into play. Right. But I love those were mostly preferential. Shift. Yeah, they're, they're preferential. That's the, exactly the last what I mean one was a preference. It's a preference. So, and, and Kim, Kim, when I love how you said it earlier, you used the word force. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, I was in a little Twitter debate yesterday. It's amazing. I can just say things on Twitter and people just explode. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's like I'm, I'm in a debate with a guy on Twitter yesterday trying to make this exact same point. So do you realize that people have their own reasons for going to church where they, where they go to? Now, I'm, I'm the exception. Uh, I don't like gospel music. Now, people will say, well, Daryl, you're not black. Well, I get that anyway. But <laughs> Well, I, I can like it for you. I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just not, I, I prefer hymns. I prefer hymns. I don't prefer gospel music, but that's just me. But there are people who will not attend church for aesthetic reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has nothing to do with the ethnic makeup or the ethnic composition of the congregation. Nothing to do with that. There's other reasons totally outside of that. They may say, well, I prefer to, to go to a church where they read from the King James translation. I read from the NASB. The church where I'm at, they read from the ESV. Uh, you know, somebody may say, well, Daryl, you know, I appreciate the invite, but my church, I prefer the KJV. You guys don't use the KJV. Any number of reasons why. Right. right. But they're blaming it on historical white supremacy, historical white racism. And that's just, listen, that's just stupid. That's just dumb. <laughs> Amen. That's a theological term. I'm pretty sure. It is really. I was about to say, I'm sorry for going uh, going all theological on you guys there. But... <laughs> well, no, you're great. To your point, Daryl, about it being a personal conviction and, and personal repentance that needs to happen for things to change in general. Um, there is a very valid... You know, I'm a white person who was raised in, a, in an environment where there was a lot of prejudice and there was a lot of sinful treatment of of black people and so that is something that in my own heart as I've grown in my sanctification I have had to wrestle with you know and realize that that was a cultural thing it was not what I was brought up you know with was not gospel it was not what God would have me how God would have me treat others and we each need to, I'm thinking of Ligon Duncan's sermon at Together for the Gospel yep. and how, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he confessed his own personal sin in that area. And that's where yep. the, that's, that's how things will change. Right. Exactly right. That's exactly right. It's a, it's a, it's a gospel matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And see what, what people are wanting, Kim, what I'm finding out in the circles where I'm sort of congregating on this issue, what people want. They want behavioral change. They don't want regeneration. Right. They don't want Amen. heart regeneration. They don't want sanctification. They just want people to change their behavior. Uh, but you still have to ask the question, well, why is that even a goal? Right. Why is changing behavior a goal? Why can't a person just maintain the hateful attitude that they choose to? Mm. Well, when you pose that question to them, it automatically brings them back to God's objective standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a recent podcast that uh, Virgil and I did, I raised the question, um, you know, if justice, uh, speaking of social justice, if justice in and of itself is the goal, then 
why is Christianity, why is the Bible the roadmap to get there? Because, you know, the Quran speaks of justice as well. Hmm. And I quote it directly from the Quran in that podcast. So if justice in and of itself is the goal, why not follow the Quran? Hmm. Why do we need to follow what the Bible says? Well, because the Bible goes further than the act of justice, than the, the temporal experience of justice. The Bible gets to the heart. It gets to the motive. It gets to the why, not just the what or the how. It gets to the why. Um, and, it, and so when you get to there and you get to looking at justice from a biblical standpoint, what a lot of people – you mentioned the word sanctification, Kim. What a lot of Christians are, aren't doing today is they're not willing to be as patient with other people right. as God was with them. Mm -hmm. and saving them. So you take someone in their 40s today, for example, who was saved at 31. Okay, now how can that person not give the same grace to someone else when God allowed them to live in sin for 31 years before the gospel penetrated their heart, you Mm -hmm. see? So Mm -hmm. what we want now, we want instant we want instant sanctification of everybody. Um, that's what that's what the social justice activist Christians want. They want instant heaven. They want instant justice. And you know, I go all the way back to Exodus chapter three, where Moses encounters God as a burning bush, and God tells Moses, "I have come down because I have seen the oppression of my people." So God is El Roy. He is the God who sees. Mm -hmm. And as long as we can trust that God, again, that God is sovereign, that he is aware that there is nothing, that even the injustices are ordained by him. Uh, I think of a text like Ecclesiastes 7.14. It says, uh, in the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, remember that the Lord has made the one as well as the other. Mm -hmm. So we 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 have the evangelical church today we we are so weak in our theology of god that we consider everything bad as something that he would not want to happen hmm. even no but even the injustice that he allows is to bring glory to himself even mm-hmm. the injustices yep. so we have a long we have a long way to go uh and I'm not one who buys into this, but I know what people mean when they say this. They say, well, we have a long way to go. Well, you know what? You have a longer way to go because because where when this is going to where this is going to be righted is in eternity, not in this world. OK, mm-hmm. so we need to really accept Christians. We must we must go a step further and stop being just Christians. We must become better theologians. We must study God's nature. We must study God's character. We must search the scriptures where God can reveal to us how he operates in the world. And part of God's operating in this world is to allow evil Mm -hmm. for his own purposes, all of which we may not ever know. Our job is to trust him, preach the gospel, live the gospel, and let God handle the rest. Amen. I keep I keep thinking of when you're talking about the reform. Um I it, it goes back to the garden. 
because that's what Adam and Eve did. They pasted on fig leaves. Mm-hmm. And exactly. it did not change what had happened and what they had right. done and where it came right. from. Right. That's and, a great point, Kim. I remember when uh, I remember when the brouhaha was, you know, at its peak with, with respect to the Confederate statues and the Confederate flags and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was that's an example of uh, covering ourselves with fig leaves. Let's get rid of all the f- statues. Let's get rid of all the Confederate flags. But I don't know how many times I mentioned this on on Facebook or other social media. Listen, if a person takes down the Confederate flag, but they still hate you in their heart, right? Mm-hmm. What what have you gained? Yeah, you haven't gained anything. Anything. The 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 flag and the statue is only symbolic of an embedded attitude that that person possibly harbors in their heart. That's mm-hmm. where you have to go. You have to reach them at the heart level. Mm-hmm. Not by taking down a flag or removing a statue. That does nothing. Right. Right. Well, you have given us much to think about. And um, I just want to thank you for coming on our little podcast. <laughs> As we close here, are there any final words that you have for our listeners? Yeah, thanks, Kim. Uh, I want to encourage your listeners by holding on to a verse that I hold tightly in the midst of not only this issue, but, uh, you know, the abortion issue, the the issue with little Alfie uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that happened over in the UK uh, last week, the the, uh, murder rates in our inner cities everything that we see around us, I would encourage your listeners to hold on to this verse in second Peter three thirteen, where Peter writes this. He says, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Hmm. It's going to come one day. It's going to come one day. It won't be in this world, but God has promised that in the new heavens and the new earth, righteousness will be the norm. So I would encourage mm-hmm. your listeners with that. Amen. Thank you. All right, Daryl, you are a fun guy. And so we have a little fun section at the end. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> Just quick, get to know you questions and you can answer them in rapid fire and I'll probably have commentary at some point, I'm sure. All right. Okay. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Okay. I grew up in the mountains and I can't stand them. Really? Yeah. Actually, I, I, I grew up in I grew up in the city around asphalt and concrete, so the mountains just man, just something about mm, it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm a beach girl. All right. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Thank God, because we weren't gonna be able to publish it if you said cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget the gospel. You don't like dogs. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot stand cats. Can't trust them, don't like them. No. Yeah. Dogs all the way. Amen. All right. Drive or fly? I was torn on this one. Uh, drive. Okay. I'll say drive because that gives me more freedom, more more control over, you know, taking breaks and, and getting rest and things like that. So, yeah, I would say drive. Okay. What is your favorite Bible study tool? I really like a website called blueletterbible.org. Mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, it's a really it's quick a way. To, yeah, really quick way to look up Hebrew and, and Greek terms and, and uh, building out your Bible studies and Sunday school lessons and stuff like that. Yeah, they have an app too, and I really enjoy the app yep. even better. Mm-hmm. Yep, got the app. Yeah, but blueletterbible.org. I uh, I don't leave home without them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the best advice you've ever gotten from an older person? Best advice I've gotten from an older person would be to uh older man once said, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. That's great. Mm-hmm. What yep, is obey your... God and leave all the consequences to him. Yeah. Amen. That's really good advice. I love to ask this is one of my, that was one of my favorite questions because we just hear such such wisdom when we ask that question of our audi- or of our guests. Mm. What is your favorite book of the Bible today? Today it would be First Peter, and just real quick, I'll tell you why. I just finished uh, teaching uh, out of First Peter at my local church. I spent twenty-seven weeks uh, doing an expository study of First Peter, and I titled that study "The Glory of Suffering." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I love that book. Uh, because it gives us a theology of suffering, and Peter just gives us some great wisdom on how we as Christians should conduct ourselves in the midst of suffering, that our suffering can glorify God and be edifying and sanctifying to us. Yeah, that's a great book. And usually, most of the time, the answer to that question is whatever book the person we're talking to is studying at the time. So Mm -hmm. you just Mm -hmm. proved it true. All right. Yeah. Our most important question of every day for every guest is, how do you take your coffee? Believe it or not, I'm not a coffee drinker. Oh, no. <sighs> We're going to have to decide if we want to publish it now. It's, it's, it's either the, you know, the cats is your first, you know, you, you, you pass oh, I got, that one. <laughs> I got the See, this was not right. a test. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely not a I'm test. Not. I'm just teasing. Yeah, I've never been a coffee drinker, uh, but uh, but I do take my Ocean Spray Crane Grape Juice on the rocks. <laughs> well, okay, we'll, we'll let it slide. I mean, you did share some pretty <laughs> serious gospel truth with us today, so we can we can let your your coffee discretion that slide. <laughs> indiscretion, not discretion. Yeah, um, we can let you slide on the coffee sin anyway. Well, thank you. Thank you. Very gracious, Kim. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Daryl, for being on the show today. We have enjoyed having you. Thank y'all. I've had a ball, and I appreciate you guys. Thank you for all you do. I'll be praying for y'all, okay? Thank you. You can find more from Daryl at justthinking.me, and you can subscribe to the Just Thinking podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Are there any other places they can subscribe, Daryl? Uh, that's going to be it pretty much. Uh, they can also look for me on Twitter and Facebook, uh, if they, if they want to reach me there on my social media pages, but yeah, you pretty much covered it. Yeah. You're a Twitter magician. So what is your Twitter handle? Twitter handle is the letter D as in David underscore B as in boy underscore Harrison, H A R R I S O N D B Harrison. Excellent. Yeah, he's very, very active on Twitter. So if you guys aren't following him already, you need to do that. If the gospel is unfamiliar to you and perhaps you've never surrendered your life to the Savior Jesus Christ, you can find the greatest news that you have ever heard at womenshopeproject.com slash good news. 
check that out. And if you go there, drop us a line and let us know you visited the good news page at podcast at womenshopeproject.com. We'd love to share with you how the gospel has changed our lives and how it can change yours as well. If you enjoy listening to our podcast on iTunes, can we make a shameless request for a five-star review? All others are rejected. We'd be so thankful for that. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll talk with you again next week. Enjoy your coffee.